Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. This is Coulter Duanez. What's up? How you doing? We are into October. Big Sky Conference play finally upon us. So excited that it's here. Also, so excited we got some primetime games coming down the pipe as well. Montana off to a 4-0 start. They got a 1-0 start in Big Sky Conference play with their 53-16 ramshackling of Portland State. Montana State, they're 3-1. They're also off to a 1-0 start in Big Sky Conference play after getting out a 38-35 victory over Eastern Washington. What a clutch finish by the Bobcats. What a clutch force fumble by Callahan O'Reilly and Sebastian Valdez. What a clutch fumble recovery by Ty Okada. What a clutch touchdown run by Sean Chambers. Great win by the Bobcats there on the red. In this Big Sky breakdown, we We'll have analysis from Ty Gregorak, our lead analyst here at Skyline Sports. We'll also hear from Brooks Nuanez, uh, our co-founder, as well as another one of our lead analysts here at Skyline Sports. And we'll have a little conversation about Sac State football with Andrew Houghton, contributing writer and contributing podcast extraordinaire here uh, at Skyline Sports as well. University of Montana takes their undefeated record on the road to Pocatello, Idaho, to take on a defeated Idaho State team. Bengals are 0-4, coming off last week's disappointing 35-14 loss to Northern Colorado. It's not gone well for Idaho State uh, in year one under Charlie Raggle. Montana State, they are at home under the lights, 8.15 p.m. kickoff. Don't get Brooks started on what he thinks of that, but should be a fun and uh, well-exposed game because it's on ESPNU, a nationally televised game, and a great opponent coming to town at UC Davis. The Aggies just 1-3 this year, but they've played one of the toughest schedules in the football championship subdivision, so it should be fun to see uh, how Montana State rises to the occasion. Can they carry the momentum from a week ago, and uh, how does UC Davis respond? Basically a playoff game this week for the Aggies. The Big Sky Breakdown is presented in part by Nick Tabor of Westpac Wealth, Opportunity Bank, Town Pump, J&V Restaurant Supply, and Blackfoot Communications. Thanks to all of our great sponsors for all of their support, and thanks to you for listening. Big Sky Breakdown, analysis style, every Thursday, SkylineSportsMT.com. Ty Gregorak, up first. Thanks for listening. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Well, a star is born. We've been trying to make him a star for years, but uh, now he's actually on network television. Ty Gregorak joins us here on the Big Sky Breakdown, as he has each week for the last couple of years. But now he's a fancy TV star as well. Coach Ty, thanks for being here, man. First of all, just take people through it. How did it go? You've been at Big Sky Games, hundreds of them, on the sidelines, in the stands, maybe sometimes in the box as a coach, but uh, had the headset on this time. So how was your first broadcast, man? Coulter, first of all, let's go really, really easy on the star. <laughs> the, the, the Stars Wars is a great movie with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. That is not me. Uh, it was awesome. I mean, it, you know, kind of like you and I were just talking uh, for the production truck and crews first time. You know, for me, Ben and Ashley working together first time. Ben Ben Creighton's first football game. The guy who works for the Pac-12 Network covering basketball games. We all thought we all thought it was you know a really good first outing. You know, and we're bummed that uh, ESPNU is picking up the UC Davis game because we wanted to get right back in the booth and just you know keep repping it and, and you know work uh, feeding off each other and just keep getting to work together because we think that you know with reps and with more practice we're just going to get better and better as a as a as a team so it, it was a lot of fun and I mean it's for me it's like how fitting is it for my first game doing it to be you know in my backyard I grew up in Spokane and the three of us four of us actually with Tom Wiley from Great Falls went to dinner at Clinker Daggers right downtown a couple miles from where I grew up old you know historic restaurant put in 1974 when the expo was there uh which you know that the big ice skating rink that's kind of um synonymous with Spokane anymore the 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 big awning thing that they left and, and now it's just lights at night but yeah and I got to go home and my first game was in the backyard there at Cheney on uh the inferno where 84 percent of teams have gone to die and you know for 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 Brett Vegan and, and Montana State to go there two years in a row having to go there two years in a row thank you Southern Utah uh 
it's a pretty amazing feat because you know how many coaches in the league, you know how many coaches, period, have uh, have two wins on the Inferno, Coulter? None. None, zero. So, Montana's never won on the yeah. Inferno. I think that Montana State right. and maybe one other team are the only two teams that have ever even won there twice uh, ever in the last 12 I, I, years. I, I, w- I was going to look it up, and I, I'm, I, I'm sure you and I could both find out in a hurry, but I, I was willing to bet the only other one was um, Weber State is what I would bet. Uh I could be wrong, but I, yeah, Montana hasn't won there. Um, so I mean, yeah, little research, but yeah, so Montana State, Montana State's got a couple wins. Maybe Weber State. I'm just trying to think of who else who else has, has won there. But anyway, uh, crazy game, insane. I mean, it was, you know, I said it in the broadcast earlier. It felt like it was going to be, you know, reminiscent of of, of the old Big Sky of past, where you know, high flying offenses, defense struggling uh you know i mentioned it it reminded me of a a montana state eastern game in you know the the mid 2010s you know 14 15 when it's 55 to 53 and and obviously it wasn't that high scoring but in the first half it's like oh my god is anyone going to stop anybody here it's just i'm sure at one point it was like uh 28 23 or 28 24 halfway through the second quarter um so I'll say this though, man, with, with the starting quarterback, you know, going down and the way, you know, the, the, the struggles of, of the defense early to go to Cheney and get that win, man, was, it was neat to see them have to gut one out like that, honestly, you know, cause I, M- Moorhead state is not very good. Um, McNeese state's more athletic, but not very good. Uh, obviously Oregon state has a, has a superior talent advantage, um, in, in my mind, being a power five school. So to go there and, and play a, a pretty comparable team and to gut out a win on the road, I mean, that's, to, to me, that was, that was huge. Nine regular season losses for Eastern Washington on the red turf since they first installed it in 2010. Montana State has three of those victories that were Eastern losses, 2011. Uh, and then the last two years, Weber State and Portland State each have two. Northern Arizona and North Dakota State uh, each have one. So uh, certainly a historic accomplishment, a big win uh, by, the, by the Bobcats. It's so funny, Ty, when you talk about how it was, at, at least at moments, you're thinking, man, is this like reminiscent of the old school games from the mid-2010s when this is going to be 52-51 or 55-50 or, you know, put the over-under at 100 and see see if you can hit the over. Uh, but the league seems like it's gone away from that. Do you see that? And, and why do you think that is? Why do you think trends in football are, are so cyclical? And why do you think the Big Sky maybe isn't the high-flying league that it, it was at one point in time? I think that's, I mean, let's look around the league. You've got, um, let's look at the the mentality and style of coaches. Bobby Houck, run the football, control the clock, play good defense. Chris Ball, old defensive coordinator at uh, Northern Arizona. Uh, Brent Vegan, you know, he was a tight end. (laughs) As Taylor Housewright jokes, he was a tight end that uh, really just blocked all the time, like an offensive tackle would. But uh, MSU's MO, and I think, it's had to be their MO because they cannot figure out the quarterback situation over, you know, X amount of years since Dakota Prukup left. Uh, and I say that they've had some very talented kids taking snaps, but just not a, not a very polished, refined quarterback. Um, Aaron Best, offensive line guy, you know, he, he's going to, as, as spread out as, as they are, they get big and run power. Um, you know, so, I just think that the the style of the league has changed a little bit philosophically. And, you know, I I mean, it's a no-brainer how you win championships, and that's playing good defense and controlling the clock. I mean, is it nice to score a lot of points? Yes. And look what what the Grizz are doing right now while playing dominant defense. I mean, it's – I didn't get to watch the game because I was on Cincini, but, my goodness, uh, that's as (laughs) – just score-wise, and I know it's still early, and, and you know the competition probably hasn't been great yet. But boy, that offense is putting up a lot of points from from just seeing what I've been seeing, and and obviously defensively they're playing fantastic. So, I mean, I personally I think the league's in in a really good good situation, especially with Southern Utah leaving. I'm I'm, I'm a little ticked to see how bad Idaho State is because I thought for a while there Rob Fennessy was doing some really good things. I just don't think he got a real fair shake to, to, you know, to, to really get his stamp on the program. Um, But like, if you look at overall, 
I think the Big Sky's in as good a position as it's been maybe ever. Just And it's just neat to see some of these teams finally reinvesting in their programs financially and putting in some facilities and, and, and doing some things because for so long it was only one or two schools doing that, you know. So I think, I think the league is in a really good place. I love it, actually. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Big Sky Breakdown, Ty Gregor joining us here on the Big Sky Breakdown, uh, one of our lead analysts here at Skyline Sports, as well as now the color commentator for uh, the MTN uh, broadcasts of Bobcat football games, all of the conference games besides the upcoming one, because it is a national television game with uh, UC Davis on uh, on the docket for a 8.15 p.m. kickoff. I'm going to be sleepy time napping in Brent Vegan's office by the time this press conference gets over. We'll get to that in a minute, Ty. Uh, the biggest news coming out of Cheney, other than the Bobcats winning there for the second year in a row, was the injury to Tommy Millat. And uh, we don't have to go through you know diagnosing. I think we both can agree it wasn't good. I mean, the kid was knocked out, and it was bad. And he uh, had to get escorted off the field and come back on street clothes, and uh, nothing good about it. But about for what it, what does it mean for the MSU offense cuz i actually think that given the limitations MSU has at running back right now because of the guys that are hurt but also given sort of the the things that have risen to the forefront to be the strengths of this team particularly and led by an offensive line that has blown me out of the water. Totally surprised me. They've been great on the offensive line, and I didn't think that was possible when you lose Lewis Kidd to the NFL and Taylor Tuiasopo, two-time All-Big Sky guy, moves on, and you know Connor Wood plays at Missouri now, TJ Session plays at Cal. It's amazing that they've been able to build this up. But I want to ask you, what do you think of the Bobcat quarterback situation in the immediate future right now? To me, I think they actually have a more cohesive identity with Sean Chambers at the helm just because they can say, hey, we know we're limited in the pass game. Let's just ground it and pass. It. Yeah, well, you never want to see a kid get hurt, period. I don't care what the, the injury was, especially a head injury. And, you know, we're in a we're in an era of football now where, you, you know, that's a very, very serious thing. Not saying it wasn't before, but, I mean, I'm just telling you, as a dude that played college football in the 90s, man, things have changed, all right? What they lose with Tommy, though, is that, you know, that dude, that, that leader, that guy that, you know, you and I have been talking about it on the other side of the ball. Who's that guy that's going to step up and be a dude and say, all right, guys, enough, enough, you know, let's go. You know, Tommy's a leader. And you've seen that ever since he took the reins there in the playoffs last year. And so that that loss to me is huge. That being said, I mean, you, 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 you kind of know what – I feel like – I feel like everybody wants and has certain expectations of Tommy and he's still figuring it out as a young player. And he's, he's not a refined quarterback and he's learning these things where I think that you kind of, you kind of have a pretty clear picture as to what Sean can do. And I got to tell you, uh, and I know you've probably been around more just by going to practices and stuff and scrimmage, but like I've started, I've started to finally get around him. He is a big man. Like he is a big, good looking dude. Oh, he's huge. Running the rock. I mean, he is. I mean, he, he's an imposing-looking guy. He's strong. I was, I mean, I was really impressed with what he actually came in and did. I mean, again, you can kind of see what his skill set is and, and what he can't do. And so what I think you're saying is, is really right on. Like, okay, we, you know, maybe, maybe it's slicing the, 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 the playbook in half just a little bit. Maybe, maybe not even that much. But in terms of route trees and route progressions and what he can and can't do, I think maybe they have a – a real clear picture, and then yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I said it a couple times. The job Brian Armstrong's done with that front. I mean, I, I look at that front, and I'm like, 
Oh, okay. I mean, boy, this could be an interesting, <laughs> you know, the, the, the air quote rebuild year up front, losing Lewis and Taylor. God, in some way, and again, I, I, let's, let's see him play UC Davis and Weber State and uh, the Montanas and the upper half of the league. But um, I don't know. It, it, they're doing a heck of a job out there. And I just think that between the front and Elijah and Sean, I mean, that's been their MO now for years. And stick with what works you know last question on this dynamic because i agree with you. i think that brian armstrong deserves a hell of a lot of credit he's done a great job with the offensive line montana state's pretty much never been bad on the offensive line and my now 12 seasons covering him but i want to go back to the dynamic of of tommy malott because i find this such an interesting deal that they got going on you said this in your in your intro on the on the uh, mtn broadcast about how the kid is an exceptional young man and he is and and he's a smart guy He's disciplined. He's steady. He uh, is a great leader. He's mature. And he's all of the things you want a student athlete to be. Uh, And at times, he's also a phenomenal athlete uh, as well. Uh, But at times, he shows that he also can be a completely dynamic dual threat quarterback. At other times, maybe not. It seems like his play is behind all the other things. And it's usually the other way around. The kid's really talented. He's got to learn how to lead. Tommy Mott knows how to lead. People know how to follow him, uh, but it's the performance element. So uh, how do you sort of make those two ends meet uh, when it comes to bestowing him with so much leadership responsibility as only a sophomore? Yeah, he's a true sophomore, and I, you know he wants that. I mean, those type of guys want that responsibility, and that's what, that's what I said. You know, assume yeah, he's not – have they ruled him out? I mean, Vegan said he will not play this week, right? That's correct. Just Sean Chambers available yeah. for UC Davis. You know, so so in my in my mind, all I'm thinking is, okay, what's the big picture here? Can he get back for Idaho State? You know, like wh- how long are we talking? How bad was that injury truly? You know, I mean, it, I know I know he was going down for a slide, and, and those those two, you know, you got you got to lay off. I mean, I think it was Callahan had a great one at the end of the game where he laid off the quarterback going down. So, but but I mean, like if you if you really watch the play. It wasn't the Eastern kid that, that hit his head. It was it was the turf. The two Eastern players, in fact, looked like they those two looked like the ones that could have been concussed. They hit head so hard. Again, um, you know, it, Tommy Tommy hit his head hard. So you just want the kid to, to come back from it, okay? But but like I said earlier, Coulter, I just the biggest thing you lose is that leadership aspect and the you know let, let's go, fellas. This isn't this isn't us. Let's, let's make it better and. You know he's he's going to be around at everything, and um, again he's a true sophomore. You know they he's an athletic kid out of Butte, Montana. I mean I, I just you know you've seen you've seen quarterback. We've talked about this at the beginning of the season. Quarterback's just been one of those spots at Montana State, which is completely mind blowing to me. Thinking back to all the good quarterbacks that I had to face on the other side of the mountain, and the fact that you know they've they've recor- recruited these quarterback quarter you know these high school quarterbacks that have not not panned out you know so i i I still think he's capable i really do i think he just needs to continue his progression and and development keep working and and uh you know brent vegan's got a nice track record of 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 developing quarterbacks you know and and so i think just stay the course and hopefully he develops into that guy because he's got every other intangible that you want that position man He's, he's got it between the ears he's got it in the chest He's, you know, he's beaut tough. He's everything you want, man. So it's just got to, you just got to keep developing, which he will, because he's a worker. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, since the time I took over, covered Bobcat football, first of the Bozeman Chronicle, uh, Brian Wright, Kevin McGiven, uh, Tim Cramsey, Courtney Messingham, Brian Armstrong, Bob Cole. Uh, where else? Where else could I go? Um, who was Choate's offensive coordinator? Oh, Matt Miller. Uh, and Daenerys McGee was the co-quarterbacks coach. I'm just trying to think. I mean, Montana State's had like 12 quarterbacks coaches in the last 12 years. Is that possibly well, part of the deal why they can't develop yes. a quarterback? Yes. Yes, and you, for, you forgot that Choate initially hired Justin Udy. That's right. Actually, coached the coached the snap at OC. Because of that transition, so I, I do I do think it has a part of it because you, you, the, you there's been so many OCs and with OCs there's been different quarterback coaches and I mean I, again I will stand on a table dude and 
preach continuity. I, I just think continuity is such a big thing and kit like one one of one of the biggest uh, things that I'm most proud of in my career was not just the length that, that I got to be at Montana, but I got to coach generations of Grizz linebackers. You know yeah. I mean? Like those guys knew, they knew one voice, they knew one philosophy. They knew that they were going to get the same me every day, whether I'm going through a divorce or, you, you know, life, life is hard. I was the same with those guys every day. They, they would never know I had a bad day. And I just think there's something to, to say about that. I mean, coaches come and go so fast anymore that you're like, all right. I mean, that's, it's just, I, I don't like it, man. I mean, I, I never got to, I never got to coach power five football, but I don't, I don't, I don't know anymore if I regret any, anything because I got those coaching three national championships and five semifinals and a lot of great, great, great young men in my time at well, Montana and Montana state. But do you know what I'm saying about my, my experience at Montana? Like, For sure. I, I can name guys. I can name multiple, multiple players that through four or five years, they had one voice. That's right. And I think that's big in, co- I think that's big in college football. For like sure. That. I mean, think about Daenerys McGee. Think about how good Daenerys McGee was. But also think about how I mean, Daenerys McGee threw for almost 11,000 yards, rushed for more than 1,000. He was the, the 14th quarterback in the history of college football to go 10,000-1,000. The guy threw 100 touchdowns. He's the two-time Big Sky Conference Player of the Year. Guess what? He had five offensive coordinators and six quarterbacks coaches in his career. That's crazy. And that was when Montana State yeah, was still good at quarterback. Right. No, it's it, – hey, man, you and I aren't psychologists, but I think – you know, in this case, proof's kind of been in the pudding. I mean, there's been – it's crazy to say since Dakota Prukup left and then obviously that staff with Ash and Tim Cramsey, there's been almost a new voice every year. And a, a whole and bunch of new starting quarterbacks, too. I mean, they've probably had more starting quarterbacks than they have but, offensive but no. course, coordinators and quarterbacks coaches, too. I mean, there, there's been no continuity under center at Montana right. State. No, that, I mean that's that, when I said when I said there's been a different voice every year. I'm talking about OC and quarterback coach. That that has been a revolving door, with coaching changes and you know you just sit there and you go, huh, all right. I mean Tyler Brugman was going to be the answer. Tyler Brugman went to like 14 different schools and, and couldn't couldn't make one of them stick. You know, Chris Murray Chris Murray was a great athlete. Sure, he was a great athlete that handcuffed the program for two years because he wouldn't go to school and do things the right way. You know, Tucker Rovick was a good high school player in Boise. Didn't pan out. K- K- uh, Big Casey from, from Northwest Washington. I, t- I looked him in the eye and, and his family. I said, dude, I know you're a high school quarterback. Look at you, for God's sakes. You're 6'7", 245 pounds. I was a high school quarterback at West Valley High School culture. I played middle linebacker in the <laughs> You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, uh, Ruben Beltran. We can just keep going down the list of names. It's like, miss, miss, miss. Miss and ultimately the program is, is paid for a little bit. You've got great, you know, Troy Anderson. Think think of think of how much he would have elevated our defense if he would have played defense more than one full time year. You know, um, yeah, well, yeah, he's an offensive minded guy who has recruited, developed, and coached some of the best early on uh, players in North Dakota State history that that really got that thing going and, and ultimately won him a national championship while he was still there. He, he recruited, developed, and coached Josh Allen, which I think is one of the best players in the NFL and a future Hall of Famer. So he was hired to do a job, and now he's got to do a job. And that's, that's, that's to go get some good quarterback play. I mean, again, Tommy didn't, Tommy didn't bat an eye when, when Sean came in because Tommy's a competitor. Oh, cool. You want to try to take my job? Good luck. I love that. But they need more of that. I mean, you know, they need that competition, and, and they need to, you know, just, just being a defensive guy and coaching on the other side of the ball, it's like, okay, I know identities run, our identities running the football, but it sure is nice to have a guy pulling the trigger that you know that is not not all the intangibles that Tommy is, but also can sling the rock up and down the field. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Ty Gregor here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Just a couple more things for you, Ty. Uh, I know you didn't watch the Grizz game because you were calling the the Cat game, but Montana moves to 4-0. Um, 
we're talking about their offense, but I mean, part of the reason they're scoring so many freaking points is because they're scoring like three touchdowns a game, not on offense, which is crazy. And Bobby Houck's dream come true. That's what he specializes in, uh, the special teams domination. Uh, but my, my question for you about this upcoming week is twofold. One, when it comes to the way that Bobby Houck runs his program and the, the desire he has for the way his team builds steam as it moves forward, how, how much of that is intentional? How much of that is uh, part of what he hopes to come true? Just the art of harnessing and then riding and continuing to build momentum throughout a season. And then on the, yeah. the other side of things with them going to Idaho State, you sort of touched on it, but uh, I think that uh, to me, it seems like like uh, maybe the the guys that took over at Idaho State didn't really know uh, the competition level they were getting into, and now they're sitting there staring at an 0-4 start, and I don't know if they realized uphill challenge that they face in Pocatello. So I uh, just put this together for us. I mean, well, what do you think of Bobby Houck's team's ability to build momentum and also probably another chance to build momentum with a trip to Pokey this weekend? Yeah, I mean, just to touch on the first, I mean, that's exactly what he wants is, you know, early season, work the kinks out, keep developing, you know, the schemes. I mean, obviously the scheme on defense has been, I mean, they've been running that now, what, five years? So that, that, that I think, is one of the biggest differences you're seeing in the two schemes, talking Montana, Montana State. Those kids have been in the scheme now. They know exactly where they fit. They run to the ball. I'm not saying the cats don't. I'm just saying they, 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 all these kids have been in the defense now under the same defensive coordinator for, um, you know, for, for that amount of time. I mean, going back to the offensive conversation, think about it. There are still players. There are still players on this on, on Montana State's defense that played for me as a defensive coordinator, Kane Ione, Freddie Banks, and now Willie Mack. How about that? You know what I mean? So, right. uh, you know, so I, again, they, they are rolling. I, I, I was so, so happy to see Robbie. You know, I know, I know, I know a lot of fans on, on, on my side of the state are like, well, his mom, Stacy house got to be up there, you know, doing the stats. No, the kid just gets his helmet in on a lot of plays. All right. He, the kid, the kid likes to play football. He loves to play football. He's wise beyond his years. He's, I mean, like, when he talks, is it not like, is it not like Bobby House just like talking through him? He, he, he's, he's a little sweeter about it. True. <laughs> media, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's a little kinder to you guys. I say you guys, shoot, I'm, a, I'm one of those guys now. Dang it. Um, but I, I was just thrilled to see Robbie get that. And, and, and yeah, man, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a train, man. I mean, early season, it's like building that, building that, that momentum. And then, and then once November hits, man, it is boom, let's, let's roll. Let's go, let's, let's go, let's go make a run at a championship, you know? So I've been there with him and done it with him and seen how he does it. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, you want to be playing good football from, from, from day one. I'm just saying it's, 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 it's just building to that crescendo of, okay, here we go. Let's go. We put ourselves, we put ourselves in position. Now let's go do it. He's Ty Gregorak. He joins us each week here on the Big Sky Breakdown. You can also find him back on the call as a color commentator for Montana State uh, for MTN and Scripps. And uh, they'll be back on it not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. Uh, back in Bozeman with Idaho State coming to town. So we'll probably talk about the Bengals two weeks in a row. But in the meantime, Ty, uh, enjoy yourself this weekend. Great job on the call and your debut. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. But thanks for being here. Thanks, Holter. Have a great week, man. Where, where are you this week? Are you uh, I or, am or in Bozeman. So I will be... Uh, Drinking some coffee about 7 p.m. so I don't fall asleep by the end of this game. And uh, looking forward to a good one, though, with UC Davis coming to town. No, it's going to be a long one, dude. That's a, that's a long that's – a, that's a lot. That's, you know, right around 20, 20 grand a Bobcats fan having a lot of sips of whatever they're sipping on for a long time. 8.15 is late, homie. That's a, long, that's a late night. You can have a lot of pops between dinner and 8.15, oh. let alone uh, all throughout the evening as well. Yes, it should be a raucous crowd to be sure. <laughs> It will be. And, and you see, you know, honestly, hats off to Weber, man. Weber, I forgot to mention Jay Hill's name early, but, I mean, defensive guys, special teams, I mean, going, going to kind of the new, the new philosophy of the big sky, but that was a huge win by Weber. Weber's going to be tough, which is I, – I, I actually love it. I mean, I, I love seeing three four of these teams really in the mix and they have to duke it out here at the end. But, yeah, man, maybe if I see I see If I don't, we'll talk next week. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Well, I'm sitting here with, uh, I don't know, Neil Diamond Phillips or something. <laughs> He's got his uh, tropical bonanza shirt on. 
Brooks Nuanas, Coulter Nuanas, Skyline Sports. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Big Sky Breakdown and uh, Big Sky Conference play underway. And all I got to say is thank the Lord Almighty because this non-conference was such a mental grind because what, eight out of ten games every week was you're either playing for a check or you're playing for a guaranteed win. There was just hardly any interest. I mean, the non-conference games that interested me in terms of actually being able to evaluate the Big Sky Conference, I think I could name them on one hand. UC Davis at South Dakota State. North Dakota at Northern Arizona, uh, Northern Arizona at NAU, South Dakota at Montana. I can't think of it anymore. Uh, Weber, Utah State, but even that was supposed to be, you know, a body bag game. It wasn't. Uh, Idaho, Washington State, Battle of the Palouse. But, I mean, it, you know, it's always fun when they, you get a little competitive game, FCS, FBS. But in its premise, it's really hard, even if it's a close game or a, a blowout or whatever, it's really hard to evaluate so many of these things. So all I got to say is thank goodness Big Sky Conference play is upon us. And also this last week's slate of games was – I think we learned something about every single team. Even in a Northern Colorado-Idaho State game, you know, you're talking about the two worst teams in the league. Maybe they're not, or maybe Idaho State is just by far the worst team in the league because Northern Colorado destroyed them, 35-14. Just rolled them all the way up. It ain't going very good uh, year one for Charlie Ragle. 0-4 out the gates there for Idaho State's new head coach. But the rest of the Big Sky's results, uh, I thought, pretty pretty telling. I think that our notion and our thought that maybe Idaho – is better just from having a change in leadership is at least looking like it could be true. Jason Eck will join us here on the Big Sky Breakdown tomorrow. Idaho's uh, new head coach, but uh, Idaho won 27-10. to 10. Weber State, they won in Weber State fashion, 17-12, to 12, kept everything in front of them against UC Davis. Montana State, a uh, thrilling and completely crazy haphazard all over the place fourth quarter, and they come out with a 38-35 victory. And then the Grizzlies, they just completely ramshackle Portland State, 53-16. It was 17-14, and then in the blink of an eye, it was it was 53-16. And uh, the Grizz are just clicking on on all cylinders right now. And so, I mean, just an interesting week in Big Sky Conference play, but I thought every single matchup was indicative and showed us something, at least about all of these teams, good or bad or indifferent. Absolutely, and <clears throat> We've talked on the on the previous weeks of the Big Sky Breakdown, Colt, there about how the top of the Big Sky is strong. There's some good squads. Sac State, Weber are both legit. You know, Montana, Montana State are good. Eastern was no slouch. You know, they gave Montana State everything that they could handle, and I thought very easily could have beat the the Bobcats at home. One of the fun parts I think that we'll see this season is that that top four, top five teams it ain't going to be chalk about who finishes out of those top five, as well as someone in that bottom seven to ten teams is going to get a win somewhere. They're going to win, beat someone at home. They're going to go on the road and get an upset. That'll for sure happen this season. Who's that going to be? We'll see. Like you mentioned, Jason Eck at Idaho. Idaho is actually turning out to be pretty competitive. They might even be good. We'll see how that shakes out. Well, and that's why the when we do our preseason polls and we do our preseason predictions, we score out every single game. Because it's not just how good your team is. It's not just like writing them in order of how good you think the teams are. In college football, it's all about the arc of your season as well. So UC Davis is, is in terms of talent, what they have coming back, and in terms of uh, the fact they made the playoffs last year, they are supposed to be one of the top five or six teams in the league. Well, they're sitting there at one and three with a huge game against Montana State coming up in Bozeman. NAU is another good example. NAU is supposed to be... You know, one of those teams that's right there in the middle and they have the most favorable Big Sky Conference schedule, they're sitting there at one and three. What I'm getting at is if either of those teams lose again, they're out of it. But neither one of those teams is going to quit. Or I guess the story then is which one of the teams do quit, right? Like if you're sitting there and you're out of the playoffs in the first half of the year, you can go one of two ways. You can just sit there and try to get to a winning record and wreck everybody else's year. Or you can pack it in and pack it up and say three and eight's fine with us. See you later. So what I'm getting at is there's a couple teams that maybe we projected to be in the playoff mix that might get knocked out of the playoff mix early. And those are the teams that derail the entire conference race because then they still might go out and win three, four, five conference games, even though they've already been eliminated from playoff contention early on in the season. Especially teams that have a bunch of seniors, you know, that stuff just went bad. A couple guys got banged up in the non-conference. You can have guys that are out. Football's such a long season, Colton, right? There's a lot of rest, even though it's weekly, you're grinding. Sure, you get a bye week, but, you know, there's a full six, seven days between games where guys can rest, et cetera, et cetera. You might get hurt game two and come back uh, in week eight, right? You get a bunch of seniors who come back in week eight of of a lost season who want to go ahead and win. That could be challenging. We're talking about schedules getting harder. Idaho State's uh, who we're going to talk about because the Grizz are traveling to Pocatello this next weekend. They're 0-4 right now. 
They play Montana, Montana State, Cal Poly, Northern Arizona, UC Davis, Weber State, and Idaho. That's gonna be that's gonna be some tough sledding there for the for the Bengals and Charlie Regal. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Okay, so a couple random uh, quick hitting questions about the Big Sky before we get into analysis of uh, a couple big victories by the uh, Montana schools. How good of it? How good is it for the Big Sky if Idaho is good? I think it's great. I mean, I think it's important to the regionality of it all, but I think I think it takes a, a group effort to chip away at Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State recruiting territory. I think it takes a group effort. I think that. If one school is getting FBS, two FBS guys a year, you're never going to chip away at what Washington State's getting or what Oregon State's getting. But if every school gets two or three, then all of a sudden you just took 10 FBS guys and brought them to the Big Sky Conference. I think that's important, and I think Idaho plays a role in that. Yeah, we've been talking for a long time on this podcast that uh, Idaho's issues in terms of harnessing success since coming back down to the FCS level have been uh, talent is far down the list of the issues, and it seems like they are playing a more consistent disciplined and a cohesive style of football i think jason eck doing a good job there early on and uh two straight wins for the vandals with northern colorado coming to town and uh, then a home uh, for homecoming and then a buy on the horizon and then a little battle for the little brown stein in missoula against the grizz so maybe the vandals can be on a little three-game winning streak as they make their way uh to missoula weber state four and oh and uh Last week's win, just vintage Jay Hill. They just kept everything in front of them. Don't let anything get behind them. Just make you just earn it all the way. I mean, Davis missed a uh, like 22-yard field goal attempt right before the halftime buzzer, which uh, certainly proved to be huge in, in Weber State's 17-12 to victory. Um, but I think that you and I both agreed that we were coming into this uh, season. The fact that they weren't trying to, to, to sustain this run of Big Sky Conference championships, but rather they were trying to get back into the playoffs, that's really good for the style they want to play on the style of head coach they have, right? Yeah, 100%. And the Weber box score is one of the funniest, most Weber things in the entire world. Oh, yeah. 20 carries for 100 yards, 20 for 30 for 200 yards. Flat. 20 and 20. Nice even running, nice even passing. 10 yards a whack, 5 yards a whack. This is like playing... Uh, NCAA football 2012 on rookie mode. Yeah, I mean, UC Davis ran like twice as many plays. I mean, uh, Miles Hastings, the quarterback for UC Davis, he threw the ball almost 60 times for like 240 yards because Weavers is keeping everything uh, in front of them. But I think that they have a chance to, to really build uh, some momentum going forward. Um, let's talk about the uh, – well, first, I guess, last Big Sky question for you before we talk about the Cats and the Grizz. I think the fact that Sac State – has been one of the best teams in the country for three years in a row now, yet they don't have much respect. I don't know. People aren't just touting and hyping Sac State, and I think it shows you the importance of us. It shows you the importance of people that can tell your story for you because Sacramento State now, two-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. They're 15-1 and one in league the last two years, and then they didn't play in the opening weekend of the league because they went to Fort Collins, Colorado instead and smacked Colorado State 41-10. to 10. They're 3-0 and for the first time since 1992. The national media has them in the top 10, but still, when off the tip of your tongue, who's the favorites for the Big Sky title? It's like Sac State somehow comes in fourth, fifth, Nobody's talking about them off the top of their minds. I think particularly the fans around Montana don't have that much respect for them. I guess people just forgot that they came in and beat the shit out of the Cats in 2019 in Bozeman, and they came into Missoula last year and handed the Grizz their only home loss of the year. I don't know what they need to do to get respect, but at some point we got to stop sleeping. Or I guess at some point, Stack State needs to be the beginning of the conversation, not the middle of the conversation when it comes to the best in the big sky. I definitely agree, but I think that national pundits in the FCS are – are quite invested. It's not. It's not necessarily a uh, a a broad arching. Who really knows what's going on? Maybe not us. Maybe maybe it's them. It, people in the FCS know what's going on. If you know about national FCS things, you do know what's going on. And you know what Sac State hasn't done, Coulter? Win a single playoff game. In fact, get waxed. 
it's important. You know, the teams that have legacy are teams that can win in the playoffs. You know, Dallas Cowboys have won one playoff game in 25 years. Look how relevant they are. <laughs> hey, they looked uh, okay last night. Cooper Rush, 2-0. and uh, Danny Dimes running around on his tiptoes is just the funniest thing in the world. We could do a whole NFL podcast, too, but we'll, we'll, we'll spare you since you're here for Big Sky Conference football. Uh, I'll just leave it open to you because I've already talked a lot about these games, both in our post-game podcast, which, by the way, please, please go check that out. Uh, I have basically shifted to become sort of a managing editor at Skyline Sports. We have multiple writers helping us out, multiple photographers helping us out. Appreciate everybody that's on the team for helping us this fall. Uh, but by the time I'm getting through all our editing of our video content and our writing content and our photos and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's more efficient, but also I think from what you guys have shown us in terms of our impressions and our engagements, uh, what you want to is to have uh, quick hitting podcasts. And so go check out our post game podcast. We'll have one every Saturday night with pieces of sound from both the Montana and Montana state games, plus a big sky conference scoreboard and some quick hit analysis. So please go check that out. It's just an extension of the big sky breakdown, what you're listening to here, but uh, it takes a, a fair amount of effort to, to put that out, but also I hope you really enjoy it. So go uh, check those out on Saturday evenings. Uh, but I've already talked about these two games quite a bit already. Uh, I'll just leave it open ended to you. First of all, your impressions of uh, of the Grizz they uh, <laughs> they they define the term being able to avalanche you when they seize the momentum. This what we've seen the last couple years has been what has been eluding the Grizz. Bobby Halk will scheme it up a couple times a game where you're going to take a risk or you're going to block a punt or you're going to house a kick or whatever it might be. And if the guys on the field can't take advantage of it then the Grizz style is much more vulnerable. When they can't take advantage of it, the Grizz style looks invincible. Uh, what did you think of Montana's ability to just roll it up on Barney and the boys from Portland State? I thought Montana looked really good, man. I mean, I'll, 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 we talked several different times this year about how it's nice to get a challenge. In the first quarter, into the second quarter, Portland State was playing pretty well. Of course, they pulled, you know, they didn't hold any punches. They pulled out all the stops. Multiple onsides, you know, getting that first onsides kick was quite a big play. And then, you know, multiple kind of, you know, splash plays that were well, were pretty good for momentum and Portland State staying in the game. But I think that's also such a sign of respect, right? I mean, a pretty good Portland State team, talent-wise, you know, in the middle of the FCS, you know, not probably in the top half, but probably not in the bottom half. For them to come out and throw, you know, multiple running back passes and multiple onside kicks and pulling out, you know, trick play after trick play, I think that's a good, you know, quite a sign of respect from Bruce Barnum over to, to Montana State and Bobby Houck and the boys. And I think that you're starting to see more confidence, um, I think you're starting to see. I really like the way Lucas Johnson is leading the offense. You know, when you see him run out on the field, there's this level of confidence that it, it's high. You know, there is a a sense that they know where they want to go and how they want to do it, and they and they execute. And it, that has not been the case on offense for for quite a few years. Even when the offense has been good, there has been lulls in getting going and getting rolling. Of course, defensively and special teams wise, they're so good right now. I think you said Colt to 26 unanswered points, 29 unanswered points just on defense. That's quite, I mean, they're just special teams and defense. That's quite a stat. And those kind of things are continue to be staples for the Montana Grizzlies. But I think offensively, as they continue to take steps, if a team can like them that has the defensive talent they do can score above 40, let alone 50, you're not beating that team. And of course, you know, you get into a, a, a more of a, you know, a bloodbath with North Dakota State, South Dakota State, someone like that. It's a little bit of a different model, but as they continue to run the football better, I thought Montana looked as good as they have in all three phases. I don't really know who's going to give them a challenge here in the next couple of weeks. It may, it may be nobody. It may need to be themselves. That's what they want, though, right? That's, that's the brilliance of the arc of the season, what I'm talking about. Bobby Houck knows how to master that. His first tenure, they used to play Western State and Oklahoma Panhandle State and all that sort of team in lieu of playing a good team because coach Houck knew that it doesn't matter who you beat if you win seven or eight games in a row the level of confidence within the locker room is going to be so high and I think they're trying to roll all the way until the end of this October so they have that high level of confidence when they play their season defining games which include trips to Sacramento State and Weaver State those are huge games. I mean, that, that'll be for seeds in the playoffs for both of those the teams that are hosting Montana. Um, and that will be for Montana's, the, the you know, what you could call their season. I don't think that Weber has been able to really give it to Montana um, outside the playoffs in, in quite a while. I mean, I think that I think the regular season has not been the rivalry that, that Weber Montana was. Um, 
and I, I think it'll be right back there. I think that Weber at home, that's a tough game. You know, I'd still give the Grizz an edge there, but I think that that's closer than a lot of people will think. We'll see health-wise what happens. I'm looking through box scores every week, Coulter. You start to see someone, like you mentioned, um, Sac State beating Colorado State 40-41-10. Well, guess what? You know, Colorado State's starting quarterback through six passes and got hurt. I mean, that kind of stuff, the, the next three or four weeks of the season, it, it defines it. Right now, as I mentioned on the top, you could have some senior players get hurt week two and come back and finish the last four or five games, taking the playoffs and win an Addy. That could totally happen. But right now, the next three or four weeks is going to be what's defining a high, a high ankle sprain, a broken collarbone, things like that. At this point of the season, three weeks from now, that's a season ender. So that really defines a lot of, of the health of and, and the prospects of what these teams will look like. But Montana, I think, as you mentioned, you start to get some momentum, which is exactly how we pinned it. You get six six wins in a row. You head to Sac State. I mean, that's a uh, it's quite a lot for a, for a Hornets team to have to deal with. Big Shot Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. It's presented in part by Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth. Nick, a great great financial advisor, also a great friend, and uh, I know he and his wife are expecting their fourth little baby here sometime this week, so congratulations to the Tabers, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Uh, Nick will have a financial tip of the week each week for you here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Might be a little busy with the uh, the newborn this week, so maybe we'll have to circle back around next week, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe that's coming up, uh, but uh, if you need any financial advice, you want to know how to plan your future, make your life more tax efficient, uh, give Nick and his team a call at Westpac Wealth. One last thing I wanted to bring up, Colter, was we've talked a lot about uh, where are the Grizz vulnerable. It used to be offensive line. Maybe it was the running game. We talk a lot about on defense, the center of the field, that, that safety nickel position with Robbie Halk rolling into the box so much, and what's that high post safety look like, and all of that being said. The more you mentioned the NFL, we could do a, you know, a million podcasts in the NFL because we both just love it so much, but I'm seeing it start to trickle down through college is teams like the Indianapolis Colts who beat the who beat the Chiefs this week teams like uh, we watched last night the Cowboys versus the Giants what we're seeing is becoming this overwhelming trend in the NFL and is starting to hit college football is playing based shell defenses and keeping everything in front of you you mentioned it with Weber State um, how has Weber State been so effective everything in front of you rallied to the football don't let the quarterback have the opportunity to have a shot play your corners you're playing a kind of a cover four your corners are, are bailing at the snap you let the hitch happen you let the six yard completion happen everyone rallies to the football you let your safeties drift play play you know a two shell and, and let that be known that you're not going to hit us on the sidelines you're also with two safeties in in drop also not gonna be able to hit us down the middle guess what the grizz don't do is that a guy like troy taylor at sack he'll be able to identify what that looks like what everyone's doing on defense what the grizz are not doing on defense and what everyone or what offensive schemes your packages for lack of a better term against the Grizz defense while if you can deal with the pressure that's a big if if you can deal with the pressure the options you have for play design are so much more vast than if you're just playing a base two shell so it's going to be super interesting to see kind of when they start to get to a team that can throw the ball downfield and that can be a little bit more competitive on the on the um Sidelines, intermediate, intermediate to deep throws. We'll see if the Grizz adjust to that as we talked about their weakness being somewhat of the being attacked in the center of the field, especially in the last couple of years in the playoffs. Teams that have had success against this insane Casino Royale defense. Uh, we'll see if they can make those adjustments. But I thought it was interesting. The more I keep watching, I saw Eastern do it a little bit. I saw Montana State's doing it a little bit. It's interesting to see kind of the evolution of how do you stop Patrick Mahomes is kind of the, the answer to the question. And it, you have to put such a high priority on being able to tackle when you do that stuff. That's the irony of it because the Grizz are actually one of the best tackling teams there is in football. I mean, like, they are unbelievable at tackling. That's what – I mean, there, there's so much debate over Robbie Houck and his role. I think people have a fundamental misunderstanding of what they want to do with him defensively. Uh, but he is one of the best open field tacklers that we've seen in the Big Sky Conference period. So, um, interesting. Uh, Big side breakdown, skylinesportsmt.com. How about Montana State? Just your general thoughts about MSU. Well, they continue to to have their struggles in several different areas. Still a lot of talent on that football team. And I think a lot of the talent, I think some some really sound coaching has allowed them to overcome some of the issues that they have. Um, obviously, Tommy Malak getting injured is not something anyone wants to see from a dynamic young player who has such a high ceiling and so much potential. Um, his injury was pretty nasty, too. You know, that was um, we don't see a lot of face masks get removed, right, Colton? That's, that's been probably one, one or two ever in our 10 years doing this. 
so that's a scary situation. You got to assume Tommy will be out for to to at least this week, probably next. How do you implement him back into the offense? That'll be very interesting. Also, down a whole slew of running backs. We saw R.J. Fitzgerald playing running back, which I thought was you know a smart move. Maybe should have done it earlier. His touchdown scamper in maybe the second quarter. I mean, get this guy the ball. Like he had feet. I mean, it was it was a great run. I was pretty impressed by that. Uh, defensively, again, we continued to see a little bit of issues in the secondary, trying to figure out what that looks like. But overall, I thought they rallied to the football. They gave up big chunk plays. You know, they got gashed a couple times. But overall, when the ball was in front of them. Able to make plays, able to make tackles. I thought Callahan O'Reilly played well. I thought uh, Nolan Askelson played well. And then kind of a little bit of a coming out party for Sebastian Valdez. I think that people know about him. I think that people have seen him. I think people kind of get what's going on. I don't know how many people saw the evolution of him playing on the edge, then moving to the inside, and then also, especially for teams around the big sky that have not seen him because he was a, you know, a freshman last year, who have not seen his physical development, when you get to see him in person and he's playing on the inside, I mean, he's a problem. I think he's maybe one of the, the, you know, the highest ceiling players in the entire big sky conference, especially as a young guy. I don't think that I think the sh- he's on the short list of the most NFL ready or league um, kind of projected players I have seen in a really long time. You know, I've said that about someone like body type like athleticism um you know alex gubner i really like for montana i think that uh, kale edwards is a, is a really phenomenal athlete and, and body type for montana as well i think sebastian valdez is, is kind of uh the cream of that crop he is the premier body type for what can be an effective uh, disruptive player at this level but at all levels his forced fumble was not a luck montana state turns the ball over with Three three minutes and change, about four minutes in the fourth quarter, down a touchdown. That next drive, maybe the first play, maybe the second play, Sebastian Veltes breaks up the middle, forces a fumble on the running back. Um, Montana State gets it and goes and scores a touchdown. That was not a play of luck. That was not like a, oh, you just happened to square up that player. No, completely forced the fumble. That's an absolute game-wrecking play. There's not defensive tackles that can do that in this league, let alone any. Yeah, and there was a there was Callahan O'Reilly got his hand in there as well, and there was a stat adjustment. This actually just happened as we're doing this this podcast, but the, it is. I think though the point about Valdez is is a good one because he's a quiet guy. When he first got recruited to Montana State, he was very hesitant to do an interview with us about his recruitment because he's just kind of a shy guy, and he got to sort of be in the shadows from a vocal perspective last year with all their guys. But this is where production can put you on a pedestal and not make you have to actually say anything. I mean, the dude's got five and a half sacks already. You watch him walk around, you're like, well, that's their dude. And so then all of a sudden you can have an elevated leadership role even if you aren't uh, an outspoken guy. And I think that's what Montana State needs is not just the the rah-rah, you know, yell at you, get you lined up, all that type of guy. They also need, like Chase Benson was very much like that. When you can just bench the house and clean the house and and you're a dominant force on the interior of the line, you're, then your performance, your leadership by example carries a, a ton of weight. The, the storyline for the, the uh, Cats right now, too, is is just about uh, Tommy Mallott. And it's always going to be a huge part of the storyline. Quarterbacks are always um, going to be the thing that we talk about the most. And it's a bummer to watch Tommy Mallott get hurt. Um that said, and this is not a shot at Tommy Mallott, but I don't think it's that big of an issue if Tommy Mallott doesn't play on Saturday night against UC Davis. I actually think that Montana State's offense can have more of a consistently a defined identity with just Sean Chambers at the helm. I think kind of either way, I mentioned this on last week's podcast, Colter, that running a two-quarterback system when you haven't done that much, it's not easy to do. I like some of the creativity and the play calling, but I think that either way, I mean, Tommy in there full-time, Sean Chambers full-time, I think is probably a, a more cohesive offensive unit, which I think will likely lead to more success. Montana State is not shy or unfamiliar with the uh, power quarterback uh, power run game. So I think that in the, it's kind of in their DNA for you know the last four, five, six years. So I don't think it's necessarily a drop-off with Sean Chambers. He did throw some good fo- some good balls as well. He had a couple deep shots that looked good. Um, throws the ball hard. He's got a big, strong arm. I don't know how accurate he is, uh, but I do think I understand what you're saying. And some of his leadership and game experience can also settle in that offense, which I think has a really good chance to be to be strong. If they get a running back or two back, man. That offensive line's playing really well up front, and I think defensively they're playing great on the line as well. So I think Montana State still has a ton of growth um, to, to kind of mature into this season and kind of come into their own. Uh, especially with the talent that we talked about, some of the depth. Um, we'll see if they get some of the back end back. Tyson Pottinger played fairly well. Um, 
on Saturday, but you know, I still think Jeffrey Manning is probably a, a high level contributor that they'd like to have back. Last thing then on the Cats, UC Davis, a desperate team, one and three coming into this game, even though they had high aspirations coming into the year. The Cats coming off of a very emotional, haphazard, and uh, fortunate victory over Eastern Washington, but a win is a win. People don't win in Cheney. They don't win on the red, and Montana State's done it two years in a row now. Could be an opportunity to vault them uh, significantly, but where are we at with uh, Montana State carrying the momentum and playing a team with uh, in UC Davis that has their backs against the wall? I think after such an emotional win at Eastern, which is a rival, it's been a, a, a back-and-forth game for, for years and years, I think that this game against UC Davis at home could very well be either one of Montana's state's best performances of the year or one of their most challenging games. And those can both be the same, happen at the same time. I do think that UC Davis is going to come on there with their hair on fire. I do not think that they will back down. A game that's moved to ESPNU, uh, late late kickoff for everybody. You know, nine, uh, 8.15 kickoff, which is as late as it gets. You know how I feel about that. College football's played at 1 p.m. Here nor there. I think Montana State can can prove a lot in this game, and I think that UC Davis, their season still has they have still have plenty to play for. But as you mentioned, Colter, they had high expectations. This is a get right game for them. They need to get back on track. So I do think it'll be um, a very competitive game, and I do think both teams have a lot to prove. Uh, Montana State can really define who they're going to be this season uh, this week in, in Bozeman. Thanks for breakdown, Skyline SportsMT.com. Thanks to all our great sponsors, including. Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. More on the Big Sky Breakdown right after this. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. And this actually is something that stems from something you've said for a long time, Andrew. And that is that I often wonder why Sac State isn't getting more hype. And then I remember and realize we're the ones that hype them. <laughs> there's, there's no one talking about Sacramento State in the Sacramento media area. So if somebody's going to be carrying the flag or blazing the trail, bulldozing uh, the trees for Sac State, it's going to be us at Skyline Sports or ESPN Montana. That said, Sac State is off to their best start in their Division One history. They're 3-0. and They have a excellent, or at least uh, was presumed to be an excellent win at Northern Iowa in Cedar Rapids to avenge one of their only losses from a year ago. And they also went to Fort Collins and just ran roughshod over the Colorado State Rams. I don't know what the hell's going on with Colorado State, but that's their third loss to a Big Sky Conference team since 2018. And uh, since Missoula's own Jim McElwain left Fort Collins, it hasn't been any good at CSU. And uh, the, the thing is, they had such a proud history. I mean, Sonny Lubick was... You know, college Hall of Famer during his time at, at uh, Colorado State. Maybe that's the tie that binds. Colorado State just needs a Montanan leading the way, whether it's Butte's finest and Sonny Lubick or Missoula's own Jim McElwain. When CSU's had Montanans, they've been good. Uh, otherwise, especially lately, no good at all. But 41-10, to 10, I mean, that's not an upset. That's a, that's a straight blowout. And uh, still, though, I think the people, I mean, Sacks in the top 10 in the poll this week. We had them in our top tier in the Big Sky Conference power rankings, but we're still not ranking them ahead of Montana. We're still not ranking them ahead of Weber State. We're still not, you know, it's sort of like a, a debate if they're on par with the Cats or not. Is it solely because of their lack of success in the playoffs, or what does Sac State need to do to really, I mean, when you're thinking about linear matchups and things like that, Sac State came to Washington Grizzly Stadium and put it on the Grizz last year. I know it was only a one-touchdown win, but they surgically dissected the Grizz defense, one of the only teams that have done that. What does Sac State need to do to get some respect? Well, I think the issue partially is we have two years of evidence here. I don't know if I would call two two games over two years evidence, uh, but we have that trend of them not doing anything in the playoffs, as you mentioned. That becomes tough to overlook. I think just in terms of them this year, I don't think they have that comprehensive 
blowout win. I mean, they let Utah Tech score 33. They throttled Colorado State, and I don't know what's happening with Colorado State either. The Hornets were favored in that game, but to go out and win it 41-10, my guy down in Sacramento, Cameron Salerno, who watched that game, texted me, Colorado State might be the worst football team I've ever seen. So... You, you can, How does that happen? I have no idea. Maybe it started with those uniforms they were wearing. Did uh, you see those? See, okay, so th- here's a theory. This is an extrapolation of something that the great Mike Kramer uh, told me once upon a time. And, and that actually reminds me, I need to text the big human. We need to get the big human back uh, here on the radio airwaves, at least on a semi-consistent basis, because God dang, he's funny. But Kramer, once upon a time, uh, he spouted this theory of that football in the West was never, ever going to catch football in other parts of the country for the simple premise that life is too good in the West, that it doesn't matter what happens, you know, win, lose, or draw, when you're playing in Fort Collins, there's still a 100 sweet parties to go to and all the best breweries in the whole country to go hang out at, and you can go out in town, and there's some people that care about Colorado State football for sure, but there's also a whole bunch of other people you could go hang out with that have no idea that Colorado State football is a thing or it exists or anything like that. It's the same premise as Arizona State, right? Win 56 nothing, lose 63-3. to You're still going to the sweetest party with all the prettiest girls in the whole country, so uh, life's good no matter what, whereas uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, win, lose, or dry, you're getting a party, but if you go to the party when you lose when you're playing at Alabama, that's the only thing everybody wants to talk about. Everybody knows who you are. You're representing for a lot bigger of a of a, a population. You're representing for something bigger than yourself, so maybe life's just too good in Fort Collins. Maybe so. Either way, that was really bad for the Rams. I think Sac State, they're not going to, here's the thing, they're not going to get a chance to have that win that will sort of vault them up into that top tier either because they're playing Cal Poly in Northern Colorado next. I just think people are still... Waiting on them to prove something, waiting on them to, I mean, when we watch Montana go and beat Portland State 53 to 16 and dominate offense, defense, special teams, we look at that and we say, man, that is a comprehensive win. There's not a weakness with that team. With Sac State, if you've been watching these first couple games, at least until the Colorado State game, I can point to a really serious weakness, weakness with that team, which I think is their pass defense. They give up a lot of yards. Yeah, that's an interesting part, point, too. I need to watch more of the Sac State games back because this day and age in college football, what you're prioritizing on defense is such a huge part of uh, of the deal, right? If you're playing a bend but don't break and you're, you're prioritizing taking risks and going after picks and also, though, keeping everything in front of you, you might give up a ton of passing yards. Sometimes I just think yards can be garbage stats, right? I mean, I remember some Portland State teams in the early – 2010s when Bruce Barnum was still the OC there and Nigel Burton was the head coach. They'd be top five in the country in total offense and, and go four and seven, right? Right now, the Grizz, for example, are lighting up the scoreboard. They're averaging like 400 yards of total offense per game, though. They're like 150 yards short of what we, you would consider an unbelievable offense in terms of yards, but part of that is just because of the field position game. Like, they're getting the ball with 30 less yards to gain most of the time compared to a lot of other teams, so you wonder if maybe that's part of Sac State, but... uh all I'm saying is that I think one of uh, Sac State's biggest advantages is that the Big Sky Conference coaching ranks is such a fraternity. And in a lot of ways, there's so much crossover that the familiarity is almost overwhelming. There's also like a level of intimidation or hierarchy or, or something where there's a dynamic that exists where I think sometimes even though the coaching in this league is really good, there maybe even is an over-elevated estimation of what the other coach is going to bring to the table, and there's even too much chess being played. Troy Taylor is not part of that fraternity. He's not part of any of this. He has a full, non-skewed, fresh thought on the Big Sky Conference. He's also, it's very clear, not scared of the the the, the premier and uh, teams of the biggest fan bases in this league, evidenced by coming into Bozeman and whipping Montana State's butt on homecoming in 2019 and coming to Missoula and whipping Montana's butt last year uh, in an October game as well. So, I don't know, I think Sac State, at some point, if they just keep rolling people, it's going to be pretty hard to ignore the Hornets. Well, that's right. And the other thing is that they've got a guy who might be one of the best offensive players in, in the country. And I, this is a guy I'm surprised that nobody is talking about nationally. Sac State's running back, Cameron Scadaboo. He's so nice. He is so good. I mean, you wonder why Elijah Dotson's not there anymore? For sure. 
It's this guy, man. 330 yards on 38 carries this year. He's averaging 110 yards a game on like 13 carries a game. I mean, he's sitting here at like, he's probably at like an eight or nine yard per carry clip for his career. Definitely. He's averaging 8.7 yards a carry this year. I think that's brought his career average down. It's it's crazy. I, I, I seriously think because he's not like this bell cow who's getting 25 carries, people sometimes think, oh, He's just stacking it with a big run here or there. But no, when you watch him, he's just gas play after gas. It's not even that it's so pr- prevalent, though. It's just that when he, when he does get the ball, it's like a first down waiting to happen unless he rips off a 35-yard touchdown. He's so explosive. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's he's a real deal weapon. He, he is a very, very good player. Every time. And I don't get that because oftentimes you look at these teams, well, why aren't they getting the recognition that they like? It's because they don't have a player on the roster who people can grab onto and they don't have a star. They're doing it by committee. Sure. Whatever, they don't have the guy who stands out. Sac State's got a guy who stands out more than anybody. And they have two of them because Pierre Williams is also like that. I mean, Pierre Williams is a four-year starter and a three-time all-conference guy. He's been first-team all-league two years in a row. I mean, I guess I don't know. You know, I don't know another part of this. Another part of this. We're going off on Sac State now instead of talking about Idaho State. But, yeah, that's, I don't know. Sometimes I get on a tangent. But, no, it's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. You want to know the other factor that is holding Sac State back? It's that their biggest wins have come in Montana against the Montana schools. And Montana's fan, the two Montana fan bases, particularly the Grizz, they analyze everything t- through the lens of the Grizz. Did the Grizz win or did the Grizz lose? The, the, the Grizz only lose to themselves almost always, according to Montana's fans. Or something else was a factor. Cam Humphrey got knocked out of the game. Gabe Solser tore his ACL. Whatever. It's, it's never the other team just straight out played us. The only time I've heard Bobby Houck say since he's been back, congratulations to Sacramento State. They outcoached us and they outplayed us today was last year. That's the only time he's ever said that, at least in my recollection. I could be wrong. Don't quote me fully on that, but I, I definitively remember him saying that. So I think that's a part of it too, because who creates many of the narratives in the big sky? I mean, let's be honest, the vast majority of fans of this conference live in one little 400 mile radius between Bozeman, Montana and Moscow, Idaho there and, and, and Jeannie Washington. They're all right here. And, so many of those people are Grizz fans and Bobcat fans, as we're talking to all of you out there. But sometimes it's just credit where credit is due, right? I mean, sometimes it's not what we did to melt down to lose that homecoming game. Sometimes it's just Sac State coming in there and whipping you. So maybe that's a part of the narrative as well. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Bye.